0: Man. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, one of the most perplexing and agonizing aspects of Christian life is this mystery of unanswered prayer. Right? I've talked to countless uh, number of people over the years about their struggles with prayers basically gone unanswered. I, I remember there's this uh, many, many, many years ago when I first started uh, as a youth pastor, uh, there was a student that I had. He's um, a good, good guy, very quiet, very reserved. You know how like, the Koreans tend to be more deferential to, be, to begin with, but he was even more reserved. I knew he had a really good heart. But he was very uh shy and very hesitant about a lot of things and i i had a chance to got to know uh, his mom and i was just really surprised by his mom because she was such a woman of prayer um and she would go to like the early morning prayers and you know all these things and uh you know she, and she would share with me how you know she would uh, always pray for her son you know and um and one time, he, uh, you know, shared with me um, one of the reasons why, and it's because, you know, when he was young, he was molested by his uncle, right? And and so that really it really affected him. Mean, I can't imagine, you know, as a young child being molested uh, by his uncle, and so that really broke my heart, right? And I could just I could just cannot even imagine the the what his mom was was going through just pray for him right I mean he in the end basically he he did well and so he even went to Princeton and so he was a really smart guy and all but and yet uh, and after that I just couldn't see him I don't know what happened to him and also I knew like his mom would at times just you know just cry out and I knew that uh, that she would really desperately pray for him uh, for his spiritual welfare um, but you know it, it was just very difficult thing to watch, to see, I, I, knowing what happened uh, in his family and to him, and how her his mom desperately wanted him to really come closer to the Lord and really walk faithfully uh, with him, uh, with God. Uh, but after that, he was just nowhere to be found. Uh, it's just really heartbreaking. So, And it's not just, you know, their story. Um, many of us have experiences like that, when we really pray with earn, in earnest, pray and pray for certain things. And it seems like these prayers have gone unanswered. Um, we are called upon to pray and seek the Lord. And there are passages which promise that God will hear and God will answer our prayers. And we do hear uh, fascinating and incredible answers to prayers that are being lifted up. Um, you know, I, I was um, talking with uh, uh, one of you guys last week, and um, you know, that person was sharing about how, you know, incredibly through uh, just a prayer, the prayer was answered when you know one of her, you know, just family members was uh, was saved uh, after years and years of prayer. So there, it's just amazing when we hear about such incredible answers to prayers like that. But we are also fully aware of prayers lifted up that did not really get answered in the manner that we ask. I've seen people who are confused and exasperated. I've heard people say, right, straight up, I mean, what's the point of prayer when my prayer is not going to be, God's not going to answer my prayer, right? However, I think we have to be very careful about how we look at this unanswered prayer, right, the perspective that we take, or the framing of the issue that we take. You know, like, way before, like, before all this uh, controversy about, like, the the pro, uh, you know, just about the Roe versus Wade, you know, before all those, like, uh, this, uh, the, the, the controversy raged, you know, so there were people who were for abortion, there were, like, pro-abortion people, and then the pro-life people, but then the people who were, uh, you know, for, hey, you know, the, so they were calling themselves pro-abortion people, but then they realized that looks, that makes it very, it may make them really like kind of very like for like, you know, really just like killing babies and whatnot. So basically they changed the whole narrative by calling themselves pro-choice, right? So they really focus on not so much about the, the, the getting the abortion done, but about, hey, women have rights, right? This fittest, they're part of women's body. So women should have choice. It's their choice. So they kind of changed their stance, and their frame of issue became not for abortion to having choice. They just call themselves pro-choice versus pro-life. And that's how the, the debate uh, raged on. So just the framing of issue is also how, or the perspective that we take is also very important. So-called unanswered prayer really is from our flawed, limited human perspective, right? Not from the omnipotent, all-knowing, divine perspective, right? So when we say unanswered prayer, we have to be very careful about, because, you know, if you just say, oh, you know, that God doesn't answer my prayer, it's an unanswered prayer, right? That we give that idea that God really does not answer our prayers, but that it's not the right perspective that we are to, to have, You know, here in this passage, verse 6, you know, calls us to pray and seek the Lord while he may be found. Now, does this imply that there are times when he may not be found? It's a little like, I don't know, when I first read that passage, like early on, there was a question that I, wait a minute, seek him while he may be found. So does that mean that there are times when he may not be found? Is it saying that there are times when God is nowhere to be found and therefore our prayers will not be answered? Is that what he's talking about? Is God really um, is God playing hide and seek with us? Is that what he's really talking about? Right? The answer is no. What he's really talking about here is seeking the, seek the law why he may be found. He's really just talking about the shortness of time shortness of the time, or the urgency because of time to seek God is not unlimited in our lifestyle, right? And also in our attitude. We don't have this unlimited time, infinite time that is given to us to seek the Lord. We don't. Because of sin, Israelites in this passage were facing impending judgment. You know, Years and years after, just generation after generation, people have not been really listening and just following the Lord amongst them. And so finally, when the time came, God would pronounce judgment upon his own people, Israel. So there is an impending judgment. So in that context, Isaiah is saying, seek the Lord in earnest while he can while he, he, can, he can be found, this limited time that you have. Seek the Lord urgently. So seek the Lord in earnest that they may receive forgiveness through repentance. As he says in verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon why would you delay when it is really urgent? There is an impending judgment. Why don't you just pray? Why don't you just seek him when it's, it's an urgent and desperate situation? Right? The point is to seek the Lord now. Right? What it's really talking about is pray to the Lord now. So I'd like us to have a better understanding of prayer. Or or maybe uh, what I'm trying to do is to really kind uh, of to, to de- debunk this myth about unanswered prayer. Why doesn't God answer my prayer? That is a myth. But the main idea here is that God answers all our prayers. God answers every prayer that we lift up. There is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. We just have to realize that at times He answers our prayers negatively, or not in the way that we want Him to answer. What we consider the answer prayer, answer prayer, the you know the positive uh, response from God, is not the only prayer. It's not the only answer to our prayer to us. Only when God says yes, and when God uh, just answers uh, our prayers in the manner that we ask, then we say, "Oh, God answered our prayers." When He doesn't, we say it is an unanswered prayer. God didn't answer my prayer. Not so. God does answer our prayers at times by saying no. Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse seven and nine. It says this. Um, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So even the, the, the great apostle, Paul, he prayed three times, please remove this thorn in the flesh. We don't know the nature of it, but it really just, you know, it was difficult for him to deal with. So he asked God to remove this from him. But, but just so that he will not be considered because he has received this amazing revelation about heavens, right? That no one has ever seen. So for him to just not become considered, God would give him a thorn in the flesh and he stayed with him. Even though he asked time after time to, 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 to remove that from him. In other words, God may have already answered our unanswered prayer by saying no, right? So then, um, when does God answer our prayer by saying no, right? If we establish the fact that God answers answers all our prayers, whether positively or negatively, then when does God answer our prayer negatively? The first point is when the request is inappropriate. God's answer to short-sighted, selfish requests it's not, uh, it's basically a no. Um, we see in James and John as, as uh, disciples of Jesus or the inner circle of Jesus, right? He would ask Jesus to have them sit on his right and left. You know, as he was going up to Jerusalem for the last time, you know, they just figured something was going to happen, right? And so James and John slip past all these other disciples and say, we want you to do, Jesus, we want you to do for us right? This request, and that is when you come in your glory, meaning to, in their mind, when Jesus establishes this uh, amazing, you know, he becomes king, he thought he really was going to uh, take reign in Israel, basically just driving out foreign occupation force, that is Rome, uh, Romans, and then when he becomes king, you want to help us, like we ask you to put me, James and John, uh, one on his left, one on his right, right? And of course, such request was they had no idea what they were asking for. So it was he said no. Even Peter at transfiguration, I mean, what he said was pretty, like, kind of, it sounds very spiritual. When he saw Jesus along with Moses and Elijah, you know, Peter said, oh, this is so amazing. Help, let, let us, like, build shelter for you guys, right? One for you, Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. This is amazing. Well, this is an incredible thing. We want to bask in your glory. So he asked Jesus that he would do such a thing, just do an amazing thing, because uh, they can just stay, stay there. But once again, it was such a short-sighted request that Peter uh, gave, you know, gave to Jesus, because he failed to understand the mission of Jesus. And we are fully capable of making wrong and inappropriate requests of Jesus. Even the ones that may sound spiritual, if the requests are you know, really convenience-driven, self-serving, or immature, he will say no to those requests. Now you not let your, say, if you have a five-year-old uh, son, right? you will not uh, let your five-year-old kid play with a sharp knife, even he or she asks for it, right? because you do care for the safety of your child. You deeply love him or her. So you would deny his request. You know, with with hindsight, I thank God for saying no. The prayers that I thought at the time were appropriate. So like when I was in college, um, you know, there were some people that were really charismatic uh, in our midst. And they were talking about, you know, they just talked about like, you know, speaking in tongues and prophesying and, and like casting out demons. And it just fascinated me, right? So I would pray. I say, like, God, I want that kind of gift too. I wanna like have that ability to like drive a demon. Wouldn't that really be awesome, God? Like you know, like demonstrate your power on this like this uh, pagan people and just non Christians. Wouldn't you know people come to know you or prophesy, right? Like to me at that time, like prophesying was basically a Christian version of foretelling. I mean, like fortune telling. So I was like, I I was asking for like gift of prophecy, right? How immature, how... Because in the end, it was really self-serving. Even though it may sound very spiritual and whatnot, but with such a, a deficient understanding of the Bible, I was saying I would basically wanted something to kind of prove myself or to show myself that I am like kind of better or more spiritual than other people. Why would God grant such request? If you have been praying for a certain thing, But the answer seems to be no, that you can first check your request. Maybe, and also maybe, your request may be a cop-out on your part. Maybe not willing to face a real issue. Maybe you have some issues in your family. The conflict with your spouse or with your kids. And you were just asking, God, please change my spouse. God, please have just make my you know, children grow up and make them really just obey, right? And listen to me, listen to me. They don't know what they're talking about. But maybe, just maybe, maybe that's not the real issue. Right. There may be something that's a deeper issue that's like being just rooted there. I just want to just simply just get those problems solved, without really checking upon you, right? It's also possible that there, are, there is some sort of sin that you need to address before you really uh, lift up a prayer to God because it's a lot easier to point the finger at God for not answering the prayer than to look in the mirror and admit that maybe I am the problem. Maybe I have some issues I have to deal with first, maybe some sin, Something that I'm doing that is not in accordance with the word of God. And only just looking at the problem. What is wrong with that person? What is wrong with that situation? Or what's wrong with you, God? Psalm 66, verse 18, uh, it says this. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So there are times when we really have to look at when, God, it doesn't seem like our prayer is not being answered. Something we have to just kind of, hey, wait, wait a minute. We gotta stop, take a pause here and examine if the, the, the request is really appropriate or maybe, am I really the, the issue here? Am I the problem here, right? But because of his omnis- omniscience and his great care for us, at times, he would say no to our inappropriate requests or when our sin gets in the way. And that's what, you know, that's what it says, right, uh, in this passage, too, that seek the Lord while he may be found, so that when you pray, sorry, uh, I lost it. yeah, that, that, God, he, that you may find pardon, right? That let the, the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord first so that he may receive forgiveness. That his prayers can be answered. So that's one thing. Um, And also, when does God not answer our prayers? Number two, when the request is not in God's plan. This is very difficult and challenging aspect of prayer that we we have to understand. It's not that the request itself is inappropriate or immoral. It's just that what we are praying for is not in God's plan. There are times when, you know, like, oh, before, say, I, I applied to, to become, uh, to, to, to apply to, like, embrace. Um, you know, I applied to different churches, and I was like, okay, there was one church. No, this is before um, that, you know, I went to, like, a second interview. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe... Because I, I was praying for a, a place of ministry. God, where are you leading me to? And then I would just apply. And there was one church um, that, that I went to second interview. I'm like, okay, maybe this is it. God is calling me here, right? But it, so I, I, I kind of just, you know, had my hope up, right? It's like, okay, so if I go to a second interview, maybe that's, it's a good chance that I may get it. And it was kind of like a, you know, I kind of like the, the setup of the church and all these things. So I, was, I was pretty sure that this is it. And yet, it didn't work out, right? Obviously, it was not in God's plan, right? It's very difficult because the, the request itself is not wrong or inappropriate. But it's just not simply in God's plan. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is it. Said, if it is possible, right? Take this cup away from me, right? He was asking for that. Not because you know, he didn't want to go through, but just the, the, the sheer prospect of like having the eternal fellowship with God the Father being broken, that he had to become sin. He had to become the curse, right? And the wrath of the Father he's never known before would just be poured out upon him, just the sheer magnitude of that aspect. I think he was so overwhelmed that he would even just pray such thing, right? And yet, but that's, he also knew that that was not in God's plan. So not as I will, but as you will, he would pray. But he didn't really request, he did pray, that if it is possible, let this cup be uh, taken away from me. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, um, you know, there's a story of uh, you know, David, as we know, like David and Bathsheba, right? After David killed her uh, husband uh, Uriah, right, and they just and they they slept together, and there was a child that was you know that was born, but through uh, Prophet Nathan, the word was given that this baby will be, uh, will will God will take away his life. So when he fell ill, David just went in just like this higher. Like here, and he would just like not eat. He would just cry out to God. He would pray. And he would not. And so the people were so concerned for him because he would not eat or he would not drink. And just all day he would just cry out to God. And but finally, the child died. He didn't make it. So they were so afraid. Oh oh my gosh, if like David was like not eating uh, when the child was alive, how can we like say, tell him? That would be the cruelest thing that we could do to him, to a father that is desperate for this, uh, for the the life of the the baby. So they were really like hesitant, and David noticed that they were like kind of being really hesitant. So he said, "What is it?" He said, uh, "Your son is dead," as they were like, so afraid that he would just basically just lose it, that he was kind of just going to just go insane or whatever. But when he did that, he um, actually is yeah, is that what happened? And then he went in, he took a shower, and then he just went back into normal way of you know, doing things. So they were really confused. What happened? I thought you were going to just go berserk on, on us, you know, because your son is dead. But he said, well, just in case, you know, I prayed and I cried out to God just in case maybe God would be gracious and to, to spare his, uh, my son's life. But now that it's happened, it's okay. That's how it is. So, even David, right, he really cried. I mean, he fasted. He didn't leave. I mean, he just did everything he could within his power. And yet, his request to save his son's life simply was not in God's plan. It's painful. It is hard to accept. When you feel like what you are praying for is truly urgent, sincere, and desperate, right? You can go to all the early morning prayers you want, right? Or maybe you are praying for someone who is terminally ill. Maybe it's a beloved member, like a family member that you dearly care about. And you are just asking God and asking in in faith. You're praying, quoting scripture verses, and all these things. But if... If the request is not in God's plan, right, as hard as it is, we have to acknowledge the sovereignty of God, right? As once again, here, uh, verses 8 and 9 say, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, right? There's a, something that is uh, far beyond what we can comprehend. The that God that's the plan of God that we have to simply accept because we are his creation. And he is the God who created us. And he's the author of life. He does what he uh, he will, what he will. So that's the second point about when God may answer our prayer by saying no. And the third thing is when the timing is not right. This is a little different from by saying no. But when the timing is not right actually this is yet another agonizing part right aspect about prayer not every prayer that does not get answered in the manner that we ask for is because of this inappropriate request or sin issue sometimes it's because the timing is not right it's not so much the request that is wrong it's just that the timing is not right you know children They hate the word not yet wait, right? Just as much as saying no to them, right? Because basically to to children, uh, they're the same thing. Not yet wait is the same thing as saying no, right? But it really is not. If we are honest, there is a child in all of us, isn't there? The child in us still wants God to meet every need to grant every request to move every mountain that's what we want from god when the all-knowing all-wise loving heavenly father deems it best to say to his children not yet wait what is our mature adult response you don't understand god i need it now you don't really understand god not two years from now, not two months from now, not, not uh, you know, two weeks from now, right? Read my lips now. I need it now, Lord. I need you to answer my prayer now. You know, we are addicted to instant gratification, right? I mean, it's almost like a second nature to us. I mean, these days, you know, like, you know, I've never tried that, um, you know, that the instant, like, uh, the microwavable, like, rice, because I, you know, I thought that you know, just, it takes a while, right, to, for the rice cooker to cook. But now you have like all you, only thing you have to do is nuke it for like a couple minutes. And then you get this like really nice, ju- uh, not juicy, but like really nice, you know, like uh, rice. It's just amazing, right? And that's what we are used to. We are preconditioned now to expect what, what we are asking for, what we want. We can get it right away. So we expect that from God when we pray. But we have to realize that God's timetable is not our timetable, right? You know, I've wondered why Jesus has not come any sooner to us, right? I mean, he could have come during the time of Abraham, right? That, uh, you know, and, and really shortened the, the Old Testament, right? I mean, we have like these long sections about Old Testament, but you know, if he came during the time of Abraham, Right, then we, we don't have any more of this, all these other long books about the Bible, right, in the Old Testament time. And maybe it would really, you know, speed up the, the, the spread of the gospel if, you know, Jesus came way earlier, way before than he did. I've wondered about that. Why, didn't, why did God, like, just wait such a long time? But, you know, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. It really just it just dawned on me. It says, "But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law." Right? When the fullness of time came, not according to our timetable, according to my timetable, it makes more sense for Jesus to come like way earlier in the earlier part of Genesis. It would have made so much more sense for people to, than the earlier part, uh, the the people, they had more chance to hear the gospel. Why didn't God do that? Well, Scripture tells us, God sent his son according to his timetable when the fullness of time came, not according to our timetable. Sometimes God says, wait. When our request is not wrong or immoral or self-serving, it is perfectly legit, but God may answer our prayers by saying, Not yet, wait. It's almost like um, like Jena. How, how old is Samuel? He's like 11, 10, 10. right? So, can you imagine? I mean, like, it's her full intention when the time is right, when he turns 18, that he's gonna, you know, she's gonna give him the, 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 the car key, right? But if like Samuel comes to, to, to Jaina and says, Mommy, I wanna drive your, you know, nice SUV, so she's got a big, nice SUV. I want to drive that now, right? I'm 10 years old, I'm old enough, I want it now. Would Jaina be give, giving her, him the car key when he was 10 years old? Of course not, because she cares for him, right? And his request, it's not really timing, it's not that uh, he should, you know, at t- you know, when the time is right, he should drive, right? But the timing is not right. It's not that she wasn't going to give him the the, the car key, but it's when the time is right. So there is that hope in our prayers. It is important to understand that God's delays are not necessarily his denials. He may not be saying no, but simply saying it's not time yet, not yet. His answer may be wait, not no what do we do? We persevere in prayer because we don't know. We're saying in verse 8 and 9, God's thoughts and ways are not, uh, it's, it's, they're far higher and deeper and wider than our ways. So they are governed by righteousness, his righteousness. So and therefore, his word accomplishes a moral purpose that we may not simply understand. What you are asking for is good and proper, but for reasons Known only to God, right? He simply chooses occasionally to say, I will grant it, but it's not time yet, right? Wait. I used to think my prayers were going unanswered, only to find out later that God was, what God was really saying was, not yet, right? So that He could carefully orchestrate. A greater miracle that I, had the, uh, that, that, that I had the faith to pray for. Um, that, that to pray for. A very little faith to pray for in the beginning. Like, you know, I, I've said it so many times, but, you know, just getting married to, to my wife, right? For, just, for such a long time, just praying for a wife. And finally, right, when the time was right, I couldn't wait any longer. I thought I, I had just given up. And yet God provided a person, right? Please be careful in insisting that you know better than God. Just when your request should be granted. He has his reasons. It's possible that he wants you to develop some character. Maybe like by him just not giving you what you are asking for right then and there. Maybe he's, you know, really calling you to develop yeah, endurance, patience or even submission, even humility, right? Maybe that is more, because to to God, that is more important than granting you what you are asking for at the moment while he's orchestrating the timing of the answer to your prayer. We tend to be much more concerned about comfort and convenience than we are about building Christ-like character through patiently waiting on and trusting in God's timing. We, we, just want, we just don't want our prayers to be answered right away. And that's just the way we are. But we have to understand that it's far more interested in building Christ-like character in us than giving us the comfort or the convenience that we want and we ask from God. You know, sometimes the sweetest answer prayers are the ones that you have trusted to God for a long, long time. When you would just get it right away like this probably we would just kind of expect it from God and like you just pray and then your prayer gets answered right away like, huh. okay easy but if you persevere in prayer maybe you're praying for salvation of a family member you really care for him or her maybe it's your parents maybe it's your children your relatives coworkers somebody that you really dearly uh, deeply care about and you just pray and, and pray and pray and it seems like God is not really answering your prayers but you persevere in prayer and when that prayer does get answered the joy the, the sheer joy of you know um, of just having your prayer being answered you just cannot even describe what it is like right? the agonizing aspect of prayer is real I'm not denying that or marginalizing it, but there is more to it than that in, in our prayers. It is a mystery. So then question is, you know, what's the point of prayer when there is no guarantee that God will answer, answer it the way we want? What's the point? As some people may say, what's the point of prayer when God is not answering my prayer? The point is the greater revelation Of God himself. The greater revelation of God. Philippians chapter 4. 6 and 7. It says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and uh, supplication. With thanksgiving. Let your requests be uh, be made known to God. And the peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. You see that? The peace of God. The presence of God. God, who, who's, his presence, his, uh, you know, him just being there with you will guard your heart. Right? I've had uh, numerous experiences where you know, when just, I am so at a loss. I don't know what to do. The situation is so overwhelming. And yet, simply go before God in prayer. And that God would answer the prayer. Not so much by actually just giving you what I was asking for but giving me strength and encouragement to move forward. Even though we may just walk through the, the, uh, the valley of the shadow of death, right? We will not fear evil because his staff would go with us. His presence go with, with us. Having that deeper intimacy with God, right? That is really the, uh, the point of prayer, Let's look at verse 6 again, right? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. He's talking about seek the Lord so that what you are asking for is answered. That's not what he's saying. So that he may be found, right? It's referring to finding him, knowing him, and being in his presence. Be found in his presence. Seek the Lord so that you may be found in him. It's really talking about greater intimacy, a greater revelation of God. That's why we really pray. That's the point of prayer. The point of prayer is not so much about unloading our wish list to God and asking God to grant it as it is. Uh, It's not so much of that as it is about being with Him, communing with Him, knowing Him deeper. And enjoying his presence. You know, the the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the first question asks the ultimate question of all What is the chief end of man? What is our purpose? Why do we live on this earth? For what? For 60, 70, 80 years that we live in this life, what is our chief and primary goal? What are we? Why do we exist? What is our purpose? And the answer goes to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We are created to know, love, and enjoy him. That's what we are called to, to enjoy him. And the primary way for us to enjoy his presence, to fellowship with him, it is through our prayers. Only the people who have really just had that experience know what it is like. Instead of simply coming to God and saying, I want you to do this. Of course, I'm not saying that you should never do that either. Of course, we, we, do, we do lift up our requests to God, right? By supplication, by thanksgiving. But the more important part is for us to know him in a deeper way. How is your prayer life? Is your pr- prayer life mostly about giving God God, here is a, number one. This is what I want you to do. This is what you need me to, uh, I want you to do. This is what I need. Is that really the scope of your prayer? Or is your prayer about, God, I want to know you more. I want to bask in your presence. I want to be strengthened. I really don't know where to go from here. I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. I need you when you pray such prayer, God would come to us. He would answer our prayers by making himself more real to us. There are times when I pray, I just know that his presence is so real. It's much more real than the chair that I'm sitting in or anything else that I can sense because God is so real. And that is the kind of prayer that God calls us to. In the end, he created us so that we may know him, so that we may come to a deeper love, sweeter fellowship with him. That is the point of prayer. Not so much considering him as a Christian version of Santa Claus. So may that be our understanding. So going forward, let us not be discouraged about prayer when our prayers are not being answered. Maybe he's saying that it's not just a time yet. Keep persevering in prayer. Or maybe God is calling us to examine our own hearts if our request is in the right place. Examine our own selves to see if there's any sin that's like really just uh, you know, blocking it or like really making it uh, or impeding uh, the answer to prayer. And also we can experience the greater revelation of God. Through that, we would come to really fulfill our ultimate purpose in life is to know him and to love him deeper. Let's pray. Let's go before the Lord and just take a moment to um, come before him.